You're listening to episode 79 of Alexa in Canada, the voice experience. She's got, She's skills. got skills. My name's Terry Fisher, and here's the deal. Voice technology is changing so fast, and I'm trying my best to keep up with it. I'm here to learn everything I can about Alexa, so you and I can figure her out, and so we can make our lives more organized, relaxed, stress-free, and even have some fun. Let's learn some skills. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of the podcast. It's so great to have you along with me for today's episode. Today we have a really, really interesting guest talking about voice ethics. But before we get there, I just want to let you know again that today's episode is brought to you by flashbriefingformula.com. It is the complete flash briefing course covering everything from the technical aspects. How do you actually set up a Lexi skill? How do you then go ahead and store your audio files? How do you go ahead and drum up some interest for it? How do you market it? Everything is covered in videos. It shows you screenshots of exactly what to click, when to click. And the best part of Flash Briefing Formula it is, that, is that it is entirely free. So if you want to learn how to create your own Flash Briefing, then check out flashbriefingformula.com. All right, let's get to today's podcast. I am really, really, really excited to introduce you to Brooke Hawkins. She has a tremendous background in voice user interface design, VUI design, and more and more she is studying the ethical implications of artificial intelligence and voice technology. And I wanted to have her on today because she is becoming a thought leader in this field, and we talk all about the ethical implications. For example, what are the ethical implications of a voice assistant understanding your personal characteristics? For example, what are the ethical implications when somebody is being addressed by their name by a voice assistant who may not otherwise have access to that person's name? So these are some very, very interesting questions, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. So uh, if you have any interest in designing voice or using voice, and you're wondering, how is my personal information going to be used in the future? And is that a good thing or bad thing? Well, we get into a lot of those questions. And I'll be honest right here. These are some big questions. I don't know that we necessarily have the answers to these at this point. In fact, we certainly don't have the complete answers. But uh, Brooke is, uh, like I said, she's a leader in this field. And it's a real pleasure to have her experiences and her perspectives uh, shared on this podcast. So it gives me a great pleasure to introduce Brooke Hawkins uh, to you, the listener. Hey there, Brooke. It is a real pleasure to have you along for the podcast today. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Now, I want to. I wanted to speak to you because you have something very interesting in your tagline when I looked you up on LinkedIn, and it talks about <laughs> voice tech ethicist. Now, we're going to get to all of that, and I'm, I'm very, very intrigued by that. But before we get to that, I've got a very important question for you. It says here that you're a drummer. I want to know yeah. about that because I'm a drummer too. Oh, that's so cool. Yes, I am a drummer. And in the summers here in Detroit, I teach little kids how to play rock instruments at girls rock camp. Um, and I used to live in Chicago. So I taught during summers there too. So to so that at the current moment is the extent of my drumming is just teaching little kids how to play rock and roll. But yes, definitely, that, definitely a drummer. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Great. Well, we, we certainly have uh, some commonalities there. And I'm sure we have a lot of other things in common as we'll get into. So Tell the listeners, Brooke, I'd love to hear a little bit about you and your background and, and you know, what's your story? Sure. Yeah. So I have been in the voice field for 
pretty much all of my career as as like a UX, I would call it designer, I'm always kind of in this voice space. Um, so I started in Chicago working for a health tech company called Emmy Solutions, which has now been acquired by a company much bigger called Walters Kluwer. Um, But I started, as many of us do, (laughs) designing IVR calls um, for the healthcare space specifically. Um, We created like a virtual assistant that called patients and monitored their health and reported that information back to uh, healthcare providers uh, and basically convinced them to do things that are really unpleasant, like schedule mammograms and colonoscopies. Okay. <laughs> um, so I always joke that if if you can make that convincing and convince people to do that, then you can do pretty much anything with voice. Fair so enough. that was that was a good first um, uh, learning experience in the voice world. Absolutely. Um, and then yeah, the the kind of voice ecosystem blew up during the time that I was there. Um, you, you know, Google Home and. Amazon Alexa and all of that kind of exploded during that time. So I ended up taking a role at Nuance, um, working on chatbot solutions uh, for enterprise companies, things like insurance and um, big like energy providers for different states, um, making customer service chatbots, just because I kind of wanted to step out of the IVR world and get my feet wet with a little bit of other conversational platforms that were happening at the time. Sure. Um, which was great. It, it, it's been interesting, I think, to go from the startup world to these like gigantic companies and designing within both of those. Oh, wow. um, and then, yeah, after that, I, I ended up in my home state and back in Michigan and in Detroit specifically. And now I'm working for a little teeny tiny startup here in Detroit called Smart Isle. And wow. what we're doing at Smart Isle is designing an interactive uh, voice first shelf in retail um, specifically for, for shopping in stores. So you'll walk into a store and there'll be a shelf that can talk to you. There's like usually an Alexa or a Google or some kind of voice device right on the shelf. Um, and then all these fun like interactive lights and sort of like a back and forth conversation to recommend a product for you right in the store. So oh, wow. yeah, I've been all, been all over the place in the voice space. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's intriguing. This last little bit you, you talked about the smart aisle. Um, is that, is that, has that been deployed in, in some, yeah. uh, you know, in some shops and that sort of thing at this point? Definitely. Yeah. So, so far we've kind of launched in just a few key verticals. So in healthcare and then in like health and beauty, um, but it has launched, we have one store called Bottle Rocket in New York City. Um, and we've also done a pilot with BevMo, which is kind of like a big uh, liquor and, and wine retail store in California and, and a few states in like the South and Pacific Northwest. Um, so yeah, those have been live and we're currently kind of collecting data and telling our story and a little bit kind of like pulling that together so that we can kind of launch this in, in increasing verticals and different categories after this. So yeah, it's a big learning time for us for sure. <laughs> oh, wow. And is the idea behind that, that it, it, it sort of takes the place of a store clerk who may be answering questions about products in the store? Sure. Yeah, I think that is like definitely one interpretation of it that it, it could kind of replace that. I think our vision as a team in the future is that we could hopefully kind of complement in-store associates. I think shoppers always have different preferences and some totally have no education about whatever space that they're shopping in. So in that way, some might prefer talking to this sort of virtual concierge so they can learn and uh, you know get a better idea for the category um but as we're noticing through our data obviously some shoppers always kind of enjoy that human component so hopefully we just are a good companion to that in-store experience rather than replacing humans altogether (laughs) i see gotcha gotcha oh that's that's really neat so i know there are certain stores um 
<laughs> that I go into that I have no idea what I'm looking at. So those, <laughs> those, those devices could be very, very helpful for me. Um, Definitely. Yeah, that's the feedback we get a lot. And, and it's supposed to be like an education tool along the way. And yeah, uh, for sure. Great, great. Fantastic. All right. So that's a great background. You've got a lot of experience um, in voice technology. And that, this, this, I guess, brings me to my next question, this part that I'm very intrigued about voice ethicists so maybe we start with like how did you get involved with voice ethics like what's the history behind that and then maybe you can also explain so what what is that what do you do uh, yeah so kind of uh, this is not official an official title that anyone has given me so i think it's, de- <laughs> it's definitely something that you know after work and after my day job and after kind of gathering these years of experience in different industries I, i've started to kind of coin myself um, but I think there's a much wider ethics conversation happening in like the AI and machine learning and, you know, community of, of technologists in general happening. Um, but I kind of see a niche uh, specifically for voice designers to start empowering ourselves to think about the ethics problems that are specifically facing um, the voice field. Um, so that's kind of where that came from. I figured, well, why not? Let's write about it. Let's kind of make it specific for the voice field. Right. Um and yeah, I think there are a lot of specific issues. I mean, the New York Times has just piloted a vertical, and I'm going to blink on the name of it, but if you Google New York Times vertical on uh, ethics and AI, sure. um, they've just launched this this uh, editorial uh, all about that, which is great. Huh. I think bringing ethics into the conversation for consumers and people that aren't necessarily technologists. Um, MIT has a newsletter that comes out every week. Karen Howe publishes it about ethics and AI. Um, there's Kenneth Bowles. He's in the UK and he talks about ethics and AI. Um, so wow. yeah, I definitely think these conversations are increasingly happening. There's been academics that have been doing ethics and technology research forever. Um, but as practitioners in the field, I think it's our job to kind of close the gap between all of this great journalism and academic work that's been happening for a long time and kind of infuse those learnings back in practically into our designs and into our processes and educate our companies so that we're closing that gap. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, my background, um, as, as I'm sure a number of the listeners will know, I, I'm a physician. And so part of, <laughs> ah. part of, you know, part of my training was learning about ethics and, um, and, and that really, you know, spans across providing, um, healthcare services to patients and, and also in interactions with other healthcare providers mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So that's one of the reasons I'm really interested in this now. But as, as you mentioned, like voice technology across verticals has an element of ethics with when you think of privacy and consent yeah. and all this sort of all these different issues. Can you maybe give us some examples of, of where does this come into play, whether that's through healthcare or in other verticals? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So in the healthcare space, this is really poignant, especially with the IVR calls we were designing at the time um, when I was working at Emmy. So specifically, we had a lot of personalized information about the patients we were calling and could design our calls to be as personal as, as possible, obviously, to kind of convince them that it was not a robocall, mm-hmm. that it was personalized to them, and that it was a real ask. Like they were really being asked to, to do a, a mammogram or a colonoscopy or whichever kind of appointment. It wasn't a robocall trying to bother them or joke with them. Um, so, yeah, I think there were a lot of ethical considerations we took into account there. Um, is it strange to open a call with your doctor's information and your first name when you've never heard of this company before? Um, and we would do different A-B tests, actually, on those calls where we would be a little 
upfront about why we were calling and who we were calling on behalf of and that the information was private and wouldn't be shared with anyone. Um, so yeah, it was definitely like an ongoing question that we had as a design team and we're always putting that at the forefront of our tests to be sure that we were creating the best experience for our users. Um, and then, yeah, in the marketing space, I think a lot of the same challenges apply. Uh, we're entering stores. Increasingly, marketing technology is becoming more sophisticated, partnering voice experiences with facial recognition tools and cameras. And there are companies out there right now that are trying to do smart marketing where they kind of evaluate your gender or perhaps your race or your height or um, all of these different things in order to give you a more customized shopping experience and Uh, In a large extent, I don't think consumers are completely aware of that other than journalism articles they might be reading that kind of speculate about problems with this technology. So I think, yeah, there's kind of a gap between the practical reality of what is happening and that moment of consent for shoppers and then kind of the, um, yeah, what they may or may not know about them. (laughs) So that's very interesting. I'm thinking about in terms of the consumers. So how do you... Like, how do you reconcile that then if this is starting to happen and these the technology is starting to evaluate shoppers based on, like you said, whether it's physical characteristics or, or whatever it is? Like, I don't know. Are there are there best practices that are emerging at this point? How do you deal with that? Like, what are the what are the what are the um, little bits of advice that you would give these these companies that are producing this technology? Yeah, I think that's exactly the the like million dollar question at the moment. So huh. I think often a lot of the business and you know uh, kind of the higher the development decisions outside of design are kind of made based on on different judgment calls. So whether or not it's fiscally you know a good idea to invest in these technologies, is there a clear ROI? Um, what what is kind of the business case there? I think is what a lot of those teams are asking. Um, but I think as designers, it's kind of our duty to, as like the amalgamators of different perspectives and researchers and kind of the culminators of of, of different perspectives in order to create a really good user experience, um, increasingly our role, I think, is shifting to, to bring ethics perspectives and ethics principles into our design processes and educate other members of our teams about that um, so that ethics can be something that is infused in the process much higher up, like in sales or in business development or in product, for example. And are, and um, are companies yeah. oh, sorry, and are, and are companies sort of embracing that discussion, the, the ethical side of voice technology? Is that something that they're concerned about? I think some are, but admittedly, I think it's a really new field. Um, and I think that's where a lot of my interest in writing about this stuff comes from. I think mm-hmm. Uh, the more content that is out there that companies can easily find and read about voice technology and perhaps with more examples, I think it would be great. Um, but yeah, I definitely predict, you know, as consumers are becoming more wary of of technology and I think, you know, their saturation rates of Alexa and Google in home, for example, are, are huge. It's like going to be almost over 50%, I think, within the next uh, few years that people have smart speakers in home. But it kind of ironically paired with that, I think the fear and kind of the skepticism about what that means regarding privacy is also growing. Um, so I think companies need to sort of take this stuff seriously and have a good answer for that as their consumers are becoming more educated and more aware of what this technology can do. And yeah, we're kind of at a fever pitch moment where we all need to get a little bit more um, uh, yeah, eloquent about what answers we have to those questions. That's interesting. Um are you aware of any consumers who have um, perhaps 
had some pushback because of ways that these voice assistants are interacting with them and, and the consumer thinks, hmm, that's a little odd or because of my physical characteristics or something about me, the way that the device interacted with that person, it, it's, it's alarming or it puts that person off a little bit? Sure. I mean, uh, in a less like super personalized way, uh, I think it was Google that piloted, um, I'm talking in the marketing space now, but mm -hmm. they piloted these voice coupons. Um, I think they were specifically for use at Target. I'm having trouble remembering, but basically mm -hmm. they were kind of these automated advertisement coupons that would come to your voice device and kind of like trigger um, this little interactive coupon that you could use at a particular retailer. Uh -huh. And the feedback for that was resoundingly negative. <laughs> huh. So I think shoppers are becoming more savvy and, and users are becoming more savvy about what they do and do not want to hear via voice device. They don't maybe necessarily want to hear advertisements, um, but for retailers that poses a real threat to their businesses and they obviously want to kind of crack the code on that and give you know, good value to their consumers where they're using and interacting. So um, yeah, I think that definitely presents a redesign moment. I think for both Google and for both retailers, I think Google pulled those coupons almost immediately <laughs> uh, and those interactive things immediately. And I, I believe that they're spending more time researching how that might be launched in the future. But um, that's a big part of what we do at the Mars Agency is kind of educating and working with retailers to think about innovative and useful ways they can engage with shoppers via voice. Um, and that's only going to continue to grow. Right. Um, do you know if those that with that example with the Google coupons, were those uh, personalized coupons in any way to the consumer? I, they must have been geo targeted because you okay. could use them to shop via Google Express. Um, and obviously, that's not available in every city. So I'm, I'm sure that it was probably geo located somewhere in California. I can find an article and send it to you after okay. this call. No, that, that's fine. I'm, I'm just curious to see if, if, if what the consumer was uh, alarmed with was the fact that they were getting any coupon in general or whether there was something about about the type of coupon that they were getting was uh, mm -hmm. personalized to them. But that's, that's, no, that, that's, that's cool. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to see more of this as well. I mean, uh, Spotify just announced that they're going to be doing personalized advertisements via voice, uh, specifically if you're listening to Spotify on a smart speaker device. Mm -hmm. And I think other companies that have some kind of like sonic listening tool on voice devices are going to be following suit. Um, so increasingly, advertisements are going to play a huge role in your voice experience. And again, I think as users become more savvy about what they do and do not want uh, shared about them with companies, that that's going to be a hot button issue. So designers uh, would, would do well to get ahead of that now and, and um, think and culminate ethics perspectives about what that means for their users. Sure, sure. So if a company comes to you now, like with the Mars agency where you're working and they're and they're you know, they're proposing some type of idea similar to maybe the Google coupon or something along those lines. What what are you advising those companies right now? Um, it's it's kind of a like a piloting moment right now. So we work closely with Alexa and Google. There are some betas that they offer to different companies to launch some of this stuff. Um, but what we typically advise is kind of a development cycle where there's a lot of like learning and research time built in. Um, so often we educate companies to start small, um, I really care about collecting as much information and research and data as possible so that we know that we're being effective um, and then definitely infusing those insights moving forward. So you're not putting something out into the world that's fully polished and done uh, that that your users might hate, but instead of trying to pilot slowly and build something over time that really engages with your users and is uh, is something that actually provides them value. Great, great. So where do you think this is? A, here's, here's a fun uh, you know, 
crystal ball questions are always kind of fun. Where do you think <laughs> this is this is going over the next you know couple of years? What do you think we're gonna be? What's the world gonna be like as far as these devices and, and you know and sort of the ethics behind it and how we are going to be interacting with these devices uh, in in your sort of area of marketing and and voice design. Yeah, I think there are different companies that have had predictions, and I oscillate back and forth. So one that I always think about is Harvard Business Review had an article where they kind of painted this future where a shopper or a person, I guess I call them shoppers being in marketing at the moment, but a person right. yeah. <laughs> uh, is at home and she's you know planning for an upcoming trip, but she didn't have to do anything to plan for it. And her flight uh, information was automatically sent to her. And her groceries were just delivered to her front door based on what she ordered last week. She didn't even need to think about it. Mm-hmm. She can turn on and off the lights in her home without, you know, having to push a button. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, her whole world is kind of controlled by this assistant that's in her home and makes her life seamless and easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's wonderful and and probably close to the reality that I think a lot of um, key stakeholders in the voice space want us to get closer to. Um, but as an ethicist, I think there are so many questions there, like. What happens to us when all of our mundane choices are kind of controlled uh, by these companies or by previous design decisions that we've made that end up creating an algorithm about us over time? And who controls those algorithms? And um, what are we supposed to do with all this new leisure time that we have? (laughs) We're not making mundane shopping decisions or going to pick up our groceries. And I think there are a lot of uh, academics that have been thinking about these questions for a long time, but... I think as designers, it's it's our job now to kind of start thinking about those runoff effects of the things that we're designing today, um, and 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 really making sure that we're aware of what that might look like. Yeah, you raise a bunch of really really interesting and important questions right there, and uh, boy, it, it it makes me start to wonder, you know, exactly what who who are who is going to ultimately make these decisions when everything becomes mm-hmm. so automated. Um, Certainly, yeah. How how are we as designers potentially incorporating off switches or are there good opt-outs or things like that that we can incorporate today that will set the precedent when everything is so much more interconnected in the future? And yeah, I think it's our responsibility to definitely think about that future vision and start incorporating um, some of those those hard-hitting questions into the work we're doing today, even if we're not quite at that future vision. Right. Well, I think that's great. I think that as a as a you know as a voice designer being aware of these questions uh, is paramount to creating great voice experiences, but also something that, um, you know, protects the person's interest uh, at the same mm-hmm. time. So, boy, there's no, there's certainly no easy answers to these questions. And No, there aren't. And that's frustrating for sure. I think even in the space and trying to explain what this means to myself and, and what value I can provide to other designers and other companies in the space, I think... Yeah, that's that's a huge question that we're all figuring out together. So, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's a very fascinating topic, and um, what can I say? Thank you very much for coming on and just sort of, you know, revealing just a tiny little bit of the of the thought process that goes behind uh, behind this. I'm sure we're going to be speaking much more about this in the uh, months and 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 years to come as this uh, technology continues to develop. Please, please let the listeners know where they can learn a little bit more about you and and what you're up to and how can they otherwise connect with you. Definitely. So I'm always tweeting about things on Twitter and kind of sharing other articles about, um, you know, ethics in the AI and voice space that I find interesting. So definitely follow me on Twitter at Brooke B. Hawkins. Um, and then increasingly, I'm, I'm trying to speak at conferences about this ethics stuff. So I will be at the Voice Summit for Perfect. all of you voice designers this summer. And 
um, trying to book a few other voice conferences in the, in the incoming future. So definitely stay tuned there. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Brooke, thanks so much for taking some time to, to chat with uh, me and, and the listeners here. I really, really appreciate that. It's a, like I said, it's a fascinating topic. And um, I look forward to uh, continuing to, uh, to stay in touch with you and see how this area develops. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed that interview. I certainly uh, did enjoy having that interview with Brooke. And I think it's fantastic that there are people like Brooke who are really thinking about these questions in more detail. Like we said, I mean, we certainly don't have all the answers to these questions. But the fact that there are people that are thinking about this early on in this industry, hopefully we'll be able to come up with design processes that protect the public, but also catered towards the benefits of this technology because certainly there are tremendous benefits here. It's finding that balance that I think will be the uh, the key issues. So again, thank you to Brooke for coming on the podcast and sharing some of your insights. As I mentioned, uh, I look forward to continue to stay in touch with Brooke and um, see the way this particular area of voice technology develops. Of course, as usual, the uh, show notes will be available on the website at alexaincanada.ca slash 79 for this particular episode, and you can uh, connect with Brooke through the show notes there as well. And lastly, again, just a reminder, flashbriefingformula.com. It is your ticket to a complete course on how to create your own flash briefing. It's completely free and uh, it is the most comprehensive course currently on the market. So it's my gift to you, flashbriefingformula.com. Until next week, uh, enjoy, uh, get busy with your voice technology uh, projects and uh, I look forward to chatting with you again very soon. Take care. She's got, she's got skills. skills.